this truck has naughty words. Welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast Series. I'm your host, Shona Gates. I'm a women's life coach, success strategist, and a self-proclaimed badass. And I'm here to help you rediscover your authentic self, stop delaying your happiness, and step into your truth. This podcast has been created to connect, inspire, and nurture mums who want more. Are you ready? Selfish podcast. Today I'm interviewing Walla Truscott from Lovers Masterclass, and she is a sex and intimacy coach, or I guess therapist, you would say. I'm really excited for you to hear this session. We um, connected through a social media group. I was looking for someone to refer my clients to because obviously, in our one on one coaching sessions, um, sex and intimacy and relationships is something that pops up quite often, I'm going to say about 90% of the sessions, you know, that's an intricate part of it. And while it's something that I'm passionate about and I'm learning about um, and wanting to help people with, it's not my speciality. So I wanted to have someone that I could refer my clients onto. And after what was meant to be a 10 minute phone conversation with Walla that I think actually ended up being an hour and a half, I just knew that this incredible woman has a message that needs to be shared. She is so open and you can just tell that she is a lover of love. So I'm not going to share too much about her story because she's actually going to share a lot of that with you on the podcast. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pop her journey into the notes for this podcast as well, along with a list of the incredible certifications that she has. So I definitely want you guys to go and check that out. She is really a lover of love and wants to empower people to come back to a place of pleasure in their intimate relationships, real, authentic, soul-deep pleasure. So I am not going to waste another second of your time. Jump straight into the podcast, and I'm so excited um, for you to hear, you know, Walla and I's incredible chat about all things sex and intimacy in a relationship. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast. Today, we are chatting with Walla Truscott, and I'm so excited for this, guys, because she's an intimacy and attraction facilitator and a somatic sex therapist. So exciting. But I need to ask, Walla, what does somatic mean? Because I've just read that and I'm totally stumped and it sounds very interesting. So could you tell me what somatic means? Sure. Um, Hi, everybody. Um, So the difference between a somatic sex therapist and a clinical sex therapist is a clinical sex therapist will usually um, focus on behavioural patterning and it's more about the cognitive thinking and um, when it comes to somatic, we normally work with the body and the pleasure and the felt sense that's actually available in the body. So the difference between us is the emotional sense, versus the body sense and trying to match them up together. Wow. So that's definitely not what I kind of would have guessed. I love that. It's kind of not a more softer approach, but a more um, body-based approach, I guess. Definitely. Well, when it comes to intimacy, the intimacy is felt within the body. So there's no use 
you know, um, reading about how to learn to play the piano. You have to actually play the piano and feel it and, and use your fingers to be able to practice what you're, what you've read. So I don't really like what I'm saying. I'm a bit nervous. No, you're doing great. I think I was just about to say, I think that is a fantastic kind of analogy for the way that you've just got to kind of get in there and, and do it sometimes. Yeah. It's all great to talk about it and read about it and watch videos on it. But at the end of the day, you've just got to feel it in your body. Yeah. So I guess, how did you get into this field? Cause it's, it's not, not a left of field one, but it's an interesting one for people to kind of step up and own and say, you know, this is what I want to work in. So what was that journey like for you? Um, I, well, I would actually say that I've always been quite a promiscuous person and I've always been open sexually. Um, however, about 10 years ago, I um, had my heart broken and I was in a relationship that I thought was forever. Um, so when that relationship ended, it just... Um, yeah, it knocked me for a six when it comes to the felt sense, which is what we're going to talk about today. But it also made me want to investigate relationships and how could this man that I thought I was showing love to and who I loved so deeply, why did he feel so unloved? And I, I just couldn't understand it. So I just went on my merry way to try and figure out, you know, what makes a relationship work? How do you keep the spark alive? How can one person have one perspective and another person have another perspective? And how come we can't communicate how we're actually feeling and ask for what we want when you're supposed to love each other? So that's where my journey went and it kind of never finished. <laughs> and the more I learned about relationships, the more I wanted to learn about relationships because I want to be able to... Um, help people stay together and stay in love. You know, I love love and the deeper you love, the deeper that the pain, the potential pain is there, but can you really live any other way? So that's beautiful. Like obviously not the heartache, but what's become of it. That's. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I know what you mean when you're saying obsessed about really, like I am as well. I, I love reading. I love learning about the relationship in my marriage is really important to me. My sex life is really important to me. So I always want to be learning and educating myself on how to make that better, the best that it can be and to move forward through issues and, and conflicts in a really, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of in a really, not, not a cohesive, but in a way that we communicate and trust and honesty, I guess. Does that yeah, even make sense? <laughs> Well, it does make sense, but I don't think we're actually raised to be able to ask for what we want. And we, we don't want to ever offend or hurt the person that we love. So we try and protect them by doing other things. But if you take a step back, you're actually, um, it's not that you're not helping the relationship, but you might be doing little manipulative things to get what you want. Yeah, because we don't feel comfortable to just come out and say, this is what I want. Yes, there's lots of different reasons why we don't ask for what we want, but we will, we will you know, manipulate. And it's a, that's a very sharp word, but if you actually, I do it. Like, we can do it over a sandwich. I, I catch myself doing it all the time. And I'll give you an example of that so it doesn't, so the word manipulating doesn't come across as this, you know, conniving, awful thing that we do. 
But the other day I needed to go to the organic store before five o'clock and I had my girlfriend at my house and I said to her, do you want to go to the organic store? But the question wasn't about her wanting to go. I wanted to go. Yeah. But I was trying to make her want to go to the store so I could go to the store and I caught myself manipulating her where I should have said, hi, I need to get to the organic store before five o'clock. Would you like to come with me? Or I've got to cut this cup of tea short. Yeah. I, I tried to not cut the cup of tea short and I tried to get her to want to go. And that's what we kind of do in relationships to get what we want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling you. <laughs> yeah. So I like to help people understand the dynamics of how to ask for what you want and ask it in a way that you're able to receive the answer. That is so powerful. And it's, it's a conversation that so many people are, are missing that whole element of like, what do you actually want? And it's the same, like we try to, for me, this was a big thing. I was always trying to um, kind of make my husband be more romantic without coming out and saying that that's what I needed. I would kind of hint that I would really love some flowers. I would talk about how so-and-so, um, you know, they had a date night recently and it was, it was all those little manipulations to try and achieve what I wanted. But at the end of the day, I should have just come out and said, I really need to spend some time with you. Can we please spend yeah. some time together? And the minute I did actually start, I think, having confidence in myself enough to ask what I want, our relationship entered a completely different level. And I'm sure you experience that a lot with, you know, your clients and your own transformation as well. Yeah, when, once I work with people one-on-one, um, usually on, if we're talking about communication within a relationship and I'm, and I'm working with someone one-on-one, once I'm able to explain to them how to ask the question so that they understand who is doing the action and who is receiving the gift, and then once the clarity around the question of the difference between a request, an invitation and an offer the answer can be given with a lot more clarity. That's great. And I'm sure so many people listening right now would be like, yes, that, that's a skill that I need to learn and understand so much better. Absolutely. And it's such a simple concept, but it's so simple, you kind of want to complicate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is understanding and learning how to determine the difference between a request, an invitation and an offer can 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 make communication so clear that you'll be able to argue fairly. You'll be able to ask for what you want in the bedroom without hesitating. You'll be able to communicate in a way that is absolutely clear because one person is doing the gift and one person is doing the action. Yeah. And when it comes to intimacy, we can often think that we're pleasuring somebody, but we're actually pleasuring ourselves. We're just disguising it. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting thing. And I know it's something that went through my head for a lot of years there, you know, early on in um, my husband and I's relationship, it was like, are you actually enjoying this? Am I actually enjoying this? Or are we all just completely lying and faking and pretending and no one's actually enjoying anything? Um, we, we, if we're emotionally attached to that person, we enjoy um, being with that person sometimes. Um, and sometimes in order to make in order to make the honest connection we have to be able to ask for what we want 
And when it comes to intimacy, it's a practice. And we can often go, oh, I like what you like. Yeah. Because, because we're not actually practiced in actually asking for what we want, even though our partners want to please us. Exactly. And it's and that whole thing of... Um, yeah, everyone makes jokes about women never being able to decide where they want to eat. And I feel like that is such a, a classic example of, you know, they're like, oh, what do you feel like for eating? You're like, oh, never mind. I'll just have whatever you're having. And then, you know, they actually go, okay, well, let's go and get um, Italian food. And in your head, you really want, you want Chinese, Chinese food. <laughs> yeah, but you never had enough balls, well, yeah, lady balls to say, actually to actually like want something and feel okay asking for something so you end up just settling and morphing into another person your entire life yeah well that that comes from upbringing though so not necessarily bad upbringing because we have to raise our children and keep them safe um but we out where we parent our children and our children learn to make us happy Yes. If we don't make, if our parent, if we upset our parents, we're going to get told off and we don't want to upset our parents. And then we go to school and then we have to comply to the schoolroom, classroom rules, and we don't want to upset our teacher. So we do as we're told and we comply. And then we find ourselves a job and then we have to fit in the workplace and we have to keep our boss happy. But when it comes to our bedrooms and our intimate relationships, we're unpracticed. Yeah, we are unpracticed in asking for what we want, and I don't mean to like gender gender categorize what I'm about to say, but I'm going to speak from my own personal experience. So when I first became sexually active, I was just happy to have a boyfriend. You know, I was just like, "Oh my god, I got a boyfriend! It's just so amazing! I feel so great!" You know, and you go through that teenage love, and you're you're sexually active with somebody but you don't know how to ask for what you want. And, and the person that you're with is, you know, this teenage bumbling um, adolescent <laughs> who's just happy to get laid. Exactly. At, at no fault of his own and at no fault of anyone, it's just part of growing up. But, you know, we go through the, you know, at the beginning of our sexual experience and unless you've got very open-minded parents who are teaching you, how to pleasure, how to pleasure yourself and have sex for pleasure, which I don't know about you, but my parents weren't talking about that. They were just talking, making sure you didn't get pregnant. Um, <laughs> and, but I must was, admit, like, my, my dad had no idea. And I think up until the moment I gave birth, probably was in denial that I'd ever had sex. <laughs> my mother, on the other hand, was wonderful. She was quite open and quite honest and she would always... She would allow me some time at home without, she's like, I'm just going to go down to the post office, and which is, was five minutes from our house. And she would end up taking 40 minutes and she would like be at the driveway with the car to let us know she was home. And she was just about being safe. But also she said to me, she's like, I don't care if you're having sex, but I would be really upset if you were having bad sex, if you weren't enjoying it. Um, yeah, and I think and that set me up for success. Very, yeah, you had a very, uh, an amazing mum then. So, yeah. Because not, it's difficult for parents to, 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 to not shy away from the topic of, you know, the normal, you know, don't do this and don't do that and, you know, be, keep your virginity and don't be easy and don't be a slut and don't be this and, you know, we, we get given all these mixed messages. But as adults, we want good, healthy sexual relationships. 
Exactly. And for me, it's kind of the idea that, you know, there's, there's two topics that you, you're not really meant to talk about. Well, they say you're not allowed to talk about and that's sex and money. People get uncomfortable. It's kind of this taboo thing. And suddenly we're just kind of meant to know what to do, but no one ever talks or teaches us or really wants to share about it. But it's just this magical thing that we're meant to be able to do. And they're two of the things in life that can bring us the most pleasure and opportunity and fun and yet we're not really allowed to talk about it. And that makes me so frustrated because I think if I don't talk about it, if I don't share that with my children, they're going to learn from porn. And that's not what I want them to learn from. And porn has its place. But, you know, if you're getting excited before you've even had sex through porn, your expectations are already super high. And I don't know about you, but I've never, ever in my entire life ever seen a woman in a porn film say look I'm just not ready yet yeah <laughs> so it's like the important thing for me is about not about saying to my daughter um you know you need to be really really safe and you need to you know don't have sex and keep your virginity so precious that's not important to me it's teaching my son and daughter about consent and mm. it's te- teaching them the fact that porn isn't real like the first time as a teenager when you have said you're having that bumbling first sexual experience if all that teenage boy is growing up watching is you know hours and hours of porn on his phone the first time he goes to have sex with a girl he thinks it's completely normal to do what he sees in porn like that's not okay right so does so does the um, teenage girl as well yeah she thinks she's got to turn tricks in order to pleasure exactly Um, and and it's it's so far from connection exactly exactly they're just just reenacting poses and positions and noises that they think is what they should be doing and completely yeah like you said lacking that connection lacking that deep pleasure yeah deep pleasure and and again we're not taught no because it's not talked about (laughs) no but it can be taught And, and and when it comes to keeping the eroticism in a relationship um especially after, you know, when you are having a family, is to understand the departments. I call them departments of a relationship. So one department, you have to actually get along and you have to be agreeable in in a lot of things. You know, what are we having for dinner? Are we going to this party on the weekend? Have we paid the electricity bill? And you have to really communicate and and agree or, you know, your household's going to turn to a shambles. However, if you stay on that side of the fence, you're going to be sitting on the couch on a Saturday night watching a movie, eating packets of chips because you become the same person. Yeah. In the other side to create erotic friction, you need space and you need individuality and you need to actually create differences so that you can pull yourselves apart. And so if you are getting along okay but the sex isn't very good, then you need to to um, find ways to pleasure and I'm not always talking sexual pleasure I'm just talking pleasure in general whether that be in the body or or craft or an art or something that fills you up yeah and it's like as a relationship is always it's not always constantly changing but it's transforming and it's transitioning as different different stages in your life and if you're not aware of it and if it's not a priority you can easily slip into those routines of just a yep. comfortable little nutshell life. So when people say we've lost the spark, it's because you've become similar people. Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. Yeah, because I think a lot of a lot of people would think they've lost the spark because they're, you know, they're different people than when they were when they first yeah. fell in love. 
yeah, when people say we've lost the spark, um, you know, some, some therapists will say you need to spend more time together. Well, not really. You need to create the space to pull you apart. Yes, yeah. You can't miss what's in your face. No. <laughs> it's <laughs> true, it's all, true though. It's true. And with one of the learnings that I learned through my own relationship breakdown is I stopped learning about my partner. I just assumed I knew him. Yeah. So I was with him for 10 years and I just kept doing the same crap over and over again. But it wasn't serving him anymore and I just assumed that it was. And I think we can kind of get on the hamster wheel of assuming that you know someone and we should, con- we should always date forever. Yeah. Because through life experience we change. And this is a bit off topic because we're talking about like intimate relationships, but I've even started dating my dad again. And I know that sounds really weird, but my dad and I have never had a great relationship growing up. But the more I learn about men, the more I learn about and appreciate men and, and the relationships around me, the more I realize this is so important. But it's also that I, I do not know him at all. I know him from the perspective of a four-year-old girl looking up at this gigantic, strong, um, incredible workaholic man. And I've actually never got to know him person to person. So we are actually going on, you know, regular dates. Now we go out to dinner, we go out to wineries, whatever. And just actually learning about him as a person and as a human being is the most amazing gift ever. Of course. Of course, spending quality time and getting to know anybody is amazing. And that person can be on a bus. Yeah, we do just kind of take it for granted when we're surrounded by these people all the time. Yeah, and, and, and that's, for me, I had to really ask, I had to get to know myself again after yeah. my relationship breakdown because I was on the hamster wheel, you know, I was on the hamster wheel and then I got off the hamster wheel and, and a lot of mothers can feel the same way, like, who are you when no one needs you? Yes, yeah. That is a conversation I'm having over and over again. My kids have left, they're off to uni, they've moved out of home and I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> Yeah, and so from from an intimacy point of view, um, you know, we as women are designed to, you know, have babies and nurture and once the babies are born, we put ourselves to the back because we think that's what good mothers do. You know, you put your children first. And, and, but when it comes to an intimate relationship, time does need to be made for your pleasure. Yeah, because you can't come from a place of empty, and the plate filling your cup up is by doing something that you love. Yes, and we can often think that this um, overgiving is being a good mum, but you can only run on empty for so long, and then it's and and where I'm going with that is this why babies groups, you know, mothers groups work so well because women nurture other women. Most of the time, yes. Yeah. I, Most I, of the time. yeah. I agree. There's some amazing mums groups out there. And I think there's yeah. also some not so great experiences. Um, but it is, it is, we need that tribe back. We need the tribe back of supportive women. Yeah. Supportive yeah. women, definitely, you know, and as you've just referred to, we can either help or hinder each other. Oh, exactly. It can be the most wonderful experience of your life being part of a mums group, or it can be 
traumatic really yeah and um it's interesting that we've ended up chatting about mom's groups because i actually caught up with my mom's group yesterday so we've been friends and our our kids are nearly seven so for seven years and i was blessed that it is a supportive amazing group but i have noticed that a conversation keeps popping up about the fact that we as women and it just keeps happening that we feel like our sex drive is higher than our husbands these days and so that's obviously causing um, a little bit of friction in the relationship. And maybe it does come back to the fact that we're not sure how to ask for what we want. So I'm super curious to hear kind of your thoughts on that idea that we're not matching each other in that sense. Um, well, clearly everybody's situation is going to be, you know, different. Um, however, I can kind of... Um, are we allowed to say the F word? <laughs> yes, yes, we're definitely allowed to say the F word. There are a lot of under-fucked women out there. Yes. What I, mean, <laughs> what I mean by that is um, we, we desire high-quality sex. Yeah. But the only way you can really get high-quality sex is if you give direct uh, requests on what, what your body actually needs yeah. and you need you need to come from a place of openness and a full heart and and if your body is by day like throughout your day you don't have that fluid movement and you're you know you're very structured and you're very in your head you're going to walk in that door with a masculine disposition yeah. Because you've been in your head all day. But so is your partner if you're in a heterosexual relationship. So in order for him to be able to respond and give you the sex or the intimacy that your body needs, you need to show that through your body. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Tell me more about that. So men, and, and when I talk about genders with I'm just going to speak from a heterosexual point of view, but clearly this can be um, implied to any relationship. Of course, it, of course. So we go from from the masculine disposition, which is somebody who's on task, and I call that the go mode. And then yeah. we have the feminine, which I call the flow mode. So there's a difference between doing and being. So because we're so on task as women these days and we're go, 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 we've got deadlines and we've got shit to do, let's make this happen, we're actually not in our bodies. So we're not flowing in our bodies. We don't have this undulating spine that's moving and we're not dancing and and having this nice flow body. So when we walk in, we look quite strict, strict and hard because our bodies are so still. Yeah, that's, that's so accurate. Now that you've just said it, 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 it is so completely true. We are just in our heads all yeah. day thinking about what's next, thinking about what else what's, we have to do. Trying to be as productive as we can, trying yeah. to get shit done, trying to do this, and we ignore our body. And, in, and that's why vibrators are bigger, stronger, faster. That's why people think that good sex is this pounding sex. And, you know, we... we the more in tuned we become to what our body can actually feel and come from a place of relaxation, 
the more our bodies feel, the more connections we feel and the more amazing it feels and the better your partner will feel so that he doesn't have this, you know, expectation that he's got to be this porn star and he's got to go for half an hour and he's got to perform in this particular way because high-quality sex is when you get the sex your body needs. Yes, yeah. And it's so funny that you've said that for hours and hours because that popped up in conversation too. And I know for me, my husband made a joke the other day about, well, isn't that what women want? Three hours sex? And I'm like, God, no, Aaron, I hate that. I absolutely hate it. I, you know, after you come twice, what well, I just can't, I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm not interested in three hour sex. Um, and the other thing is, was we're hormonal. So, you know, men's testosterone is produced all day, every day, you know. Yeah. So, their, their hormonal level is, is quite level. And ours, we release an egg once a month. So we go on this massive cycle of yes. hormonal up and down. And then when a good lover is in tune, not necessarily with your cycles because everybody has different symptoms and different reactions and different moods throughout their cycle, but a, a really good lover will know when you need to be made love to when you need dirty horse sex, when you need a kiss on the forehead and when you just need a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. So sex is all about flavour. And so in order to be able to have good quality sex, you need to be able to give each other flavour. I think that's a really, really good description of it. We can't always eat the Hawaiian pizza. No, no. <laughs> we need to add the pepperoni. And it is, it's the fact that like sometimes you go, oh, I'd love, I'd just love to be able to have um, my favourite dessert every day. But the honest truth is after a couple of months of having that salted caramel cookie dough ice cream, it's going to get really boring, no matter how good it is. You would get bored, you'd get bored of that, pe that cookie donut way quicker than a couple of months. You could only eat it for a few days and then you could take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, the libido is not necessarily the sex, it's the flavour of the sex. Yeah. If you're always being served the same pizza, you're always going to think there's something missing because you just need a different flavour. And the flavour comes from the body. It comes from owning a different mood that you're in, a different desire that you're in, and being able to articulate that. And that's the most important bit is that being confident enough to communicate yeah, what you need and, and that need is is always going to be different depending on the day, depending on the situation. And it's, yeah, Absolutely. confidence in yourself. Um, and for me, it's actually been, I think, for our entire relationship, it was always him chasing for me, I guess. Like I never went, hey, I'd like this now, please. Um, <laughs> only until the last maybe two years where it's actually like, wait a minute, I actually have some needs too and I know you're working really hard and you're working long hours but at the end of the day I need this just as much as you used to need this so let's make that happen I just want to make a point with what you just said if we work all day and we're always in our head and we're always on task and we're always trying to be productive and we're always trying to get shit done and we've always doing the to-do list our engine is at is not warmed up our engine is revving at nothing yeah right men are way more in tune with their bodies because they're visually stimulated mm -hmm. a woman needs more time to warm her body up so if we can 
practice having little and often pleasures and these pleasures are not sexual these pleasures are just pleasures felt within the body you know whether you smell the you know the bakery as you walk past and you notice oh that smells really nice in my body you pick up your cup of tea it's a little bit warm and you say oh this this teacup is a little bit hot I can feel that in my body Rather than just ignoring the smell of the bakery and ignoring the cup of tea, the temperature of the cup of tea and ignoring the dishwash, the dish, um, the sink water and ignoring all these sensations that we could be feeling throughout the day to warm our engine up. Yeah. And for me, even I've noticed that um, I've started having my shower because I would always have a shower before I go to bed because my brain never switches off. My husband mm. goes to sleep at about 8 o'clock because he's mm. just exhausted. He works very hard. Um, and I, I've started having turning the bright fluorescent lights off in my shower and just having a candle burning in the bathroom. And it just completely changed the way that I experienced my shower. Suddenly I was more aware of the water, of the heat, of the light reflecting on my skin. And it is, it's turned something that was just, I was completely on autopilot and in my head. And it's now something that I experience with my body. True. Is that kind of what you mean? Absolutely. Any time we can do, and with women, little and often is better than doing, you know, concentrating on it for hours every two weeks. Yeah, you know, spending spending an entire day pampering yourself and then ex- ignoring yourself for two weeks. Exactly, self care has to be daily. Yeah, little and often pleasures. I've got those little salt lamps that you plug into the wall, and they're just you know they're about the size of the palm of your hand. I've probably got about six in my house, so that I've always got beautiful ambiance in my house, so that I'm not you know going around. And I always just feel great when I have a you know. I look around my home and I'm like, oh, that looks really nice. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be. The best practice is the one that doesn't intrude on your life. You know, yeah. I'm never going to tell someone, oh, you know, you need to sit and meditate for two hours and, you know, hone in, in into your kundalini and bring this to yourself. We can do little and often pleasures just by noticing how our body feels. Exactly. And it's the little things like buying yourself flowers or lighting a candle or just wearing your favorite perfume it's all those little things that add up in the long run little is rubbing hand cream on your hand and actually enjoying it yes yeah putting lip gloss on that's my thing and enjoying putting your lip gloss on and enjoying and, and noticing how it feels on your lips and and you know, if it's a scented one, smell that and, and go, oh, my God, that smells like mandarin. All that noticing of your body is warming up your engine. The, the, the plus side to men is their engine's always revving. <laughs> you know, it's always at the 3,000 mark. They're already at 3,000. Yeah. They're visually, they're visually stimulated, which is why erections happen so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I've often <laughs> wondered that. Wait, wait, there was nothing there a second ago. What's going on? Because they're running, their engine, men are way more in tune with their bodies than what we give them credit for. Yeah. And and that's why when, you know, we get quite cross or some people get quite cross when they can fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Yes, that infuriates me. Yes, but their body says, oh, my God, I need a rest. Boom, they're out. Yeah. Our bodies do not allow us to do that because caveman days, we couldn't take a nap. Our baby might fall in the fire. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, we're designed to be on task or, or we're designed to be able to multitask. Yeah. They're designed to do one thing and his body says, I need a rest and he's, he's snoring on the couch. Yeah, <laughs> it is so annoying. It is, it is incredibly so annoying. annoying. So I guess I'm wondering, like, I, knowing that this conversation is happening with so many women that I know and knowing that it is a much, a much larger topic that people, I guess, up, not up until now haven't felt comfortable, but I guess people are just feeling more comfortable sharing with me this fact that they are like, I want to have more sex and my husband just seems exhausted all the time or I'm really into it in at night and he's into it in the morning. Do you have any suggestions for kind of working on maybe a conversation? Like do you think people need to have a really upfront conversation about this is what I need or do you feel like it's there's some like natural things that you can kind of do to get more in aligned with each other? Is it? Every relationship is going to be different. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to give people some pointers and things to think about and then they can take whether it's relevant to them. Because, Perfect. You know, it's, it's, yeah, very, very, very hard to kind of pigeonhole it. Yeah, so and then they can what, contact you and book a one-on-one session, yeah? Yeah, if, if, they, if it calls them to do so. But when we, as women, we need to reconnect with our bodies. As women, we need to reconnect with other supportive women. And we need to be able to, to self-care in a way that fills our bodies up because there's this what I call super, superwoman syndrome mm-hmm. where you just feel like you've got to be everything to everybody. But when it comes to the intimacy side of it, you need to also ask yourself whether you're giving high qualities of it as well. Yeah, You know, you might be serving ham and pineapple pizza every night and he might be like, meh. <laughs> so embracing the different flavours of what you can offer in the bedroom. And there's so many different ways to pleasure. Like it doesn't always have to be sexual. And there's, I think intimacy is often mistaken for um, a, a sexual act as such, but there's, Knowing how to connect to somebody and make him feel like he's the king of the, a king, not a king of you or a king of you can't make your own decisions, but just to be grateful and praise and honour this partner that you have. You know, I just feel that it's, oh, I don't know how to put this into words. No, I totally, like the appreciation, when you can show someone that they are genuinely appreciated and special to you and it's even just like those sincere little compliments, that cre- completely changes the atmosphere and the tone. Because we, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be super women, we can often punish more than we praise. Yes, yeah. And we can often, and because... The, the masculine is more of a logical thinker. Once he comes in, he, you know, we, we have to be able to play and dance between the go and the flow. And when you've got two people that have been in go mode all day, you as the feminine or the, the softer, the, the surrenderer of the relationship to pleasure, you've got two people walking in with two masculine dispositions. Mm. You're wanting you're wanting your man to be the man in your relationship, which is why your libido's high because you've been on task all day. So now it's time to like 
give me pleasure because you've been denying yourself pleasure all day. Yes. Yeah. Come on, right? ravage me. Get it. Yes. <laughs> give the man a break. Yeah. He's been, yeah. He's been on task all day. That's what he's supposed to do. He, from an a natural disposition points of point of view wants to come home to a woman who is full of pleasure because it's never going to change we're never going to not have full-time jobs and work you know society we've got the financial demands where you know parent both parents have to work yeah his natural disposition is to be masculine throughout the day and to be greeted by someone who is feminine but as women and i'm not saying we shouldn't work because I love working, but we are practicing being in our masculine all day. So that yep. means two masculine energies are coming home. And that's that's where it just doesn't work. It doesn't it doesn't it, mix. It doesn't it's not compatible in that moment. It's not compatible because men aren't attracted to straight men are not attracted to men. And yeah. we come home. Hard being the man <laughs> we come home hardcore on task got to get picks pick the kids up from basketball need to get tea done need to bust and he's just looking at you and you're un, you're under pressure yeah and constantly so constantly under pressure and his logical brain's going i'm not going to put one more task on that that person's list yes yeah and I guess all we're really wanting is for someone to take all of that pressure and all of that to-do list away for us for 10 minutes and pull us into the bathroom and lock the door and just go for it and give us that escape that we're looking for. But he's, he's also looking for the escape. He yeah. Needs rest. So if, it, if, if the intimacy seems like a task to him, he'd probably opt out. Yes, it's such an interesting concept to learn about and I, I really am enjoying kind of in unpacking and diving deeper into this instead of just going, oh, well, you know, that's just what happens to couples that have a couple of kids, to three or four kids, they've been in relationships 10, you know, 15, 20 years. That's just a natural part that things slow down and you kind of go, well, is it a natural part? I don't think so. I think it's something that we can work on and we can choose. Would you agree? What? Yeah, I, do, uh, I can't speak from a 20-year relationship, but I can speak from the dance. When you start to learn the dance of going between go mode and flow mode, you can, um, you can learn to dance with your partner. So intuitively, women work more so by energy and emotion. So, you know, if you... If we come from a place of a soft heart, and, and I don't want to come across like we're weak because, like, man, I work hard, right? But then when it's time for me to be intimate, I want to just, I want to be felt. I want to be, you know, I want to be able to allow my surrender in the bedroom to be taken by my man. Yeah. And I'm and sure so many other women feel that way as well. But don't get me wrong. I, they, I, don't, I want to flip him over too. Yeah. <laughs> But there has to be the dance. But if you're on the same, if the polarity is not created, then you become the same person. And that's where the erotic friction is not being created. So if you have two people on task, there is no pulling apart. Someone needs to be in go mode and flow mode and someone needs to be on task. And so if you're both on task, there's no polarity, there's no space. 
I think that's a really, really good way. And I know for me, that's just made me go, ah, yes, this is, it's not about me. It's not about that he doesn't find me attractive anymore or anything to do with that. It's the fact that now we are so busy in our lives and we are so on all the time in what we have to do and what we have to achieve. And we both work really long hours that it's just, it's, we're not in a place to fully let go and be in that, that polarity of someone in, in on mode and someone in flow mode. No, because you've got two people practicing go mode all day, every day. Yeah, yeah, and that's my own curse. Three businesses, two kids. <laughs> there yeah, is, there is no there off switch. <laughs> there's, and there's no, it's not going to change. We just have to become more aware of our bodies and our felt sense. Yeah, and, so do you, and do you think there'd be some things that um, women could do when they're coming home and they're, they're clutching off and they want to get more into that flow space? Is, is there any little things you could suggest? Absolutely. <laughs> There's a pick a song, pick one song and, and move your body. And I'm not talking about dancing. You can do this in the shower. You can do this at your office desk because it can be so subtle. It can be so subtle. The movement can be less than, you could actually look like you're just stretching. But I want, if you play this a song and just move your spine so that you're not so rigid and you can notice your hips and you can notice your pelvis and you can notice what your body's actually feeling. And if you're feeling bored, move bored. If you're feeling angry, move angry. If you're feeling happy, move happy. Whatever you are actually feeling, notice that. Stop ignoring it. I mean, that's something. I I have this song, Move Me Like a River by Bishop Briggs. And every time I put it on, whether it's in the car, literally, it's like my body's possessed. My hips start moving in this way that is... um, it's just a subtle movement, but I can't stop it the minute I hear that song. So I, I know what you're saying now, and that's definitely something I'm going to, you know, come over at the end of the day, unpack the kids' lunches, do that stuff, and then I'm going to put that you song on while and you're packing the lunch. Yeah, Take, yeah. Do it while you're washing the dishes. Do it while you're hanging the laundry out. Just move your hips or your, your body or your spine slightly. I'm not talking about going into a break dance and doing the caterpillar. <laughs> I'm talking about... Just moving your body because we sit in a chair all day, every day. Yeah, or we're that... running around after kids all day, every day. And what we, what we practice with our body is what we'll actually feel. So if you're not feeling your body all day, every day, then you're not going to feel the intimacy either. Because your body's not great. open to receive it. And it's such a simple thing that absolutely everyone can do every single woman I know could absolutely do this and it just be that that little transition back into our body even if you're driving to work in the morning and you turn the radio on or you you do whatever move your spine just your spine it can be it can be so subtle and it can be so slight I feel like we I don't want to make it look like I'm adding another task to your day because that's so far from the truth it's about noticing what you're actually feeling and telling yourself that's what you feel. Yeah. And it's such an important, like, because we, do, we don't want our kids to see us as well as this just completely rigid being that we just, we sit or we stand or we lie down to sleep and that's all they would see of us. We want our kids to see us 
move and to be in that flow state. Otherwise, they're going to grow up just completely only understanding that masculine element. Do you think? I, oh, absolutely. And, and I, I would like to invite, you know, all, all the mums that are listening out there, you know, tonight when you're, you know, you are serving up dinner or you are taking the clothes off the line, just moving your hips alone will make you feel more like a woman. Yes, embrace those hips. Women's hips are supposed to move, you know, and, and men, men go to strip joints to watch women's bodies move. Yes. They're not there for the dance moves and they're probably not even there for the boobs. They can see that online. Yeah. They're yeah. there to watch hips move. It's something hypnotic, isn't it? It's fascinating. That's why, you know, Hawaiian dancers, it's, it's mesmerising. People just can't keep their eyes off of belly dancers and, you know, all these type of hip movements. A woman's body that moves is absolutely, you know, it magnetises a man. Yeah. And we're so stuck in this, this rigid movement so as a woman. And the only type, we feel like the only type of movement that we should be doing is, you know, our general life sitting standing in the car whatever and then we go to a gym and we lift heavy things and we put them down and we run on a treadmill but we don't actually move in flow even then it can still be quite rigid linear sense a non-linear sense people will often go to yoga and they think it's coming it's for relaxation but it's you're being told when to pose how long to pose for you know what sequence to do it in how long to hold it for that's not non-linear when you, yeah. go to a, when you go to a um, gym session or, you know, a workout session, you're doing a repetitive movement on a machine. Yeah, it really, it's exercise is great for the body, and I'm certainly not telling you not to do it, but from a place of feminine essence, it becomes from being non-linear, which means no flow. Like, it's all about flow, sorry. Not, it's all about not being non-structured. Yeah, and do you th- I, th- I think there's something like the minute, um, I'm not sure if you've ever seen the TV show Outlander, you may or may not have, but there's this, this part of it where these women are, you know, dancing on this hilltop and they've got lanterns and just the way that they move is so incredibly hypnotising. As a woman watching it, I just looked at it and went, yes, that was the way we used to move, um, you know, that was based 200 years ago, or whatever. I'm like, that was the way that we used to move and that was accepted as movement. Now that type of movement is seen as something weird. It's seen as something like, well, why are you, why are you behaving like that? And it's like, I think that's actually what we're meant to do. We're, we are supposed to learn from um, other women and we are learning to be stringent and straight and structured. And something's just popped into my mind and I'm just going to make sure I choose my words correctly as I say it. If we were to go back, you know, and, and, and I, we'll never go back to the Stepford 50s wives, but I just, want to, I just want to strip away the high pressure that we've got financially of everyone having to be on task all the time. But back in the day when we were baking cakes and, you know, looking after children and we'd, be, we'd have no structure throughout the day, you know, we'd be weaving baskets and, and the men would be working, so to speak. In order for them to get their flow on, that's where sex came in. Because if you think about having sex, there's no structure. There's no, you know, it's all about flow. And that's where the men get to move their bodies. Yes, yeah. 
That's their dancing. That's their movement in a non-linear sense. I think that's, that's so true. But so true. Women, and women used to dance throughout the day and meet together and have coffee and, you know, chit chat and all the rest of it. But now going forward to 2018, you've now got the male and the female part or, or two people. This is talking about a heterosexual relationship, both on task. And so when we get home, we both want to be in flow mode. Yeah. Yeah. But in order to create the erotic tension, there needs to be polarity. Very true. I'm sorry, I'm just taking a minute because I'm literally like highlighting all these instances in my own life where I'm like, yep, she's 100% right there. 100% right there. That's exactly what happened that day. <laughs> if, sorry, we can fill, if we can fill our bodies with pleasure, little and often pleasures throughout the day by surrounding our desks with pictures of our children and our dog and you know making sure that we notice the cup how the cup of tea is and, and smelling that herbal tea and putting the lip gloss on and move, trying to just move our spine throughout the day even when we're working you know get up when you're making your cup of tea in the lunchroom sway your hips from side to side like just and just if someone says what are you doing so I'm just stretching yeah yeah they don't need to know <laughs> Maybe, maybe they do need to know. Maybe you need to tell them what you're doing and they can try it for themselves. Depending on your workplace, you could say, look, you know what, my body's straight all day and I'm just trying to get more movement. I would, I would never hear a person go, nah, I don't agree that bodies shouldn't move. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all know that, that it's natural for To come from a place of movement, to, to unwind the spine and the hips, and to notice little and often pleasures, to learn to praise more than you punish. Yes. And to come from a place of a full heart, you need to be able to not be the superwoman and understand that, you know, self-care, self-pleasure and intimacy actually fills you up. Yeah. And, it's, and your, the intimacy should not be a task. And if it's a task, it's because you're not feeling your body. I, I agree with everything we have chatted about today. And it's such an important topic. I think that more people need to be open and, and reach out for help and talk about this. And that's what our mom's groups are there for. That's what our girlfriends are there for to talk about this and sharing that, you know, there's areas in your relationship and in your intimacy that you want to improve. There's nothing weak about that. Cause the minute you, you notice in, in the, communities that I'm a part of the minute one woman shares about it it's like the floodgates open and everyone finally feels like they have permission to go me too yes so being such an important topic and being with the work that you do as we're finishing up the call now what is the one piece of advice you would love to give women moving forward that the best practice is the practice you actually do yes that's great. Even if it's little and often. Yeah. Stop reading books about playing the piano and play the piano. Yeah. Even if you shit at it, still yeah. play it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's great. And, and to not put the pressure on to, to think that it will happen straight away. It's a process. It's, but it, it's just little and often because, you know, I, I'm speaking from experience. I worked in an accounting firm, you know, it was all about the numbers. Everything had to balance. 
but over the years with little and often pleasures, I'm surprised how much more my body feels because I actually invite it. But my life hasn't changed. I'm still doing the same. I'm still on task all day. I just notice a lot more about how I actually feel. Yeah, get out of our head and into our body, at least for a small part every day. Yeah, as, li- as often, little and often as you can. Even if you are just swaying your hips an inch while you're making a cup of tea, that's enough. It all makes a difference, doesn't it? I know putting on some music and just moving my body makes me feel really great about myself and it makes me much more likely to drag my husband into the bathroom and lock the door. I always say the bathroom was the only door um, in our house that locks. (laughs) And the kids will still bang on the door the entire time, but that's the only one with a lock on it so far. Um, Even if you don't don't have music, you can always just sway your hips even if you're waiting in the line at Coles. Yeah. Hop from foot to foot, move your body. People will just think you need to go to the toilet. That's totally cool. Yeah, Um, it just looks like someone's stretching. Like yeah. you, just look, you can just be stretching, but as you're stretching, notice your shoulder blade, notice your spine, notice your hips, notice your pelvis, notice anything that's got a little bit of tension here. Just notice it. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Notice. Be aware. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. And while I'm sure we could talk for hours about this, I'm, I'm actually the first time we chatted, wasn't it? It was a 10-minute phone call. We meant to be just to have a chat and get to know each other a little bit. I think we were on the phone for over an hour. <laughs> Probably because I just love talking about pleasure, sex, and men, and intimacy, and women, and I just think it's such an important um, part of people's relationships. And you know, in order to keep the spark is there. Yeah, and it is such an important conversation. I feel like it really, for me as a mum, it's up to our generation right now of mums to um, to really change the way that sex and intimacy and relationships is thought of and talked about and we can we can make we can do the work now if we can make changes now that will have just far-reaching consequences generation after generation to more happier people i guess really so that's what i'm really passionate about is breaking that cycle of it being something taboo that's not talked about not discussed and not enjoyed yeah, and I'm, I want to help people have higher quality sex and be able to add flavour and, and, own, and own that flavour. No more ham and pineapple pizza every night. No so, more. Yeah. Thank so, you. No, I've so, been really excited to chat with you. I'm glad we finally got to do, record this podcast. I'm so excited for everyone else to listen to this as well, especially I'll be forwarding it to all my friends. Um, but I want, just want to ask if people have resonated with what we've been talking about and they had more questions for you or they'd love to, you know, book in a time to have a chat with you, where can they find you and get in contact with you? Um, so you can just look up loversmasterclass.com.au um, or you can find us on Facebook under Lovers Masterclass Adelaide. Um, and I offer a free 15-minute consultation just for people to be able to see whether it's something that we can, if there's a particular issue. Um, I also help uh, men with communication, um, ejaculation choice. Um, I do offer what they call a vulva or a yoni massage, which is really good for women who've given birth um, to re- be able to reconnect um, to the pleasure and the sensations in their vulvas. Wow, I'm, I bet so many women right now are, are Googling your Facebook page because that whole aftercare <laughs> thing is really, really difficult to come back into your own body because it doesn't feel like your own body anymore. 
So yeah, I know, especially, especially if there's birthing scars as well. So we can um, we can work with the birthing scars um, if they if they're um, tight or causing you any pain. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, I've loved chatting so much with you today, and you guys, you're listening. You know how incredible this chat has been. Um, I definitely recommend you go follow all the Lovers Masterclass stuff on Facebook and social media. You know, sign up for the newsletters or whatever's there, and make sure you keep an eye out for Wala's workshops because I know that she runs them in Adelaide. I'm definitely keen to get down and check some out. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. love this episode please subscribe and leave me a little love note by tagging me at sexy underscore selfish to check out more of the sexy selfish podcast or to grab some of my little goodies head on over to the freebie hub at www.sexyselfish.com it's totally free and it's jam-packed with hours and hours of content for you Thank you so much for being here with me today on The Sexy Selfish Show and showing up today to become the best version of you. I'm sure you got so much out of today's episode and I know that I really did as well. If there is someone in your life who would really benefit from hearing this episode and some of the things we shared about, please share it with them right now. It's as easy as just sharing the link and you could literally change someone's life. Remember, it is time to stop delaying your happiness.